Welcome to One Life Online, a podcast that brings you the weekly sermons at One Life Church, Kampala. In this episode, we listen to a sermon from Hebrews chapter 13, titled, Let Brotherly Love Continue, presented by Nigel Harding. As you listen to this message, may the Lord speak to you through His Word, by His Spirit, and cause you to walk according to His will, by His grace. Good morning. Lovely to see you all here today. It's a privilege to uh, be invited by Pastor Martin to bring a word this morning. And we are still looking at Jesus. Uh, Specifically, we are going to a passage in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And I'll be reading from verse 1 through to verse 16. I won't be preaching on all of these verses, but they are a cohesive passage and they all speak of the same things. So allow us to read through the verses together. From Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated. Since you also are in the body, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away then by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the camp, outside the gate, in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, 
let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing love. Thank you for this beautiful passage, drawing us to yourself. Speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. There's a lot in here. We can begin by thinking about Jesus, who is the focus of all our worship. Thinking about Jesus, and he causes us through this passage to remember that Jesus is the center of everything. But he is the center of everything outside of a religious norm. He has not replicated a system that existed in the Old Covenant. He has replaced it. Though the Old Covenant reveals the New Covenant, his New Covenant is different to the Old. He is not a priest, for example, after the order of Aaron. Jesus is a son of David. He's not a son of Aaron. He is not a Levite. He couldn't possibly be a priest. But he became a priest after the order of Melchizedek, an everlasting order, the king of Salem, the king of peace, the king who was ordained forever. And God says, I will never change my mind in Psalm 110. You are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. You will live forever. Even he was a priest who presented himself in the earth before he was made flesh, if you believe so. In Genesis chapter 14, when Abraham, who is another major character, by the way, reflected in this passage, we'll think about Abraham as well. Abraham comes to him after gaining victory with just 318 men against the kings in the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> and who should come before him but Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and bring bread and wine. Extraordinary. These symbols which now we remember as the blood and body of Jesus. Jesus is a priest, a high priest, higher than any other priest, even replacing all other priests. There is no other priest to whom we can go but him. He is extraordinary, he is different, he is bringing to us something new. But it is something that calls us to accept the embarrassment, the awkwardness of his life and of his sacrifice. For he was cut off, not only from the land of the living, he was cut off from his own people. In the old covenant, if a person touched anything unclean, a leper, a prostitute, did not Jesus do this? Even last week we reflected upon the worship he received from a woman who was unclean, who poured out her soul before him, who wept 
at his feet and wiped his feet with her tears. Amazing worship. He wasn't embarrassed. He highlighted what she was doing, that her love was greater, that she was worshiping in her, in her fullness because she had been forgiven much. The problem with the religious is that they know not how much they have been forgiven and they build a religious life around themselves. And it's not only in Judaism that we see this, it is still being perpetuated in Christianity. <laughs> we see here in this passage that there are those, there is an altar, a different altar, not the altar of the tabernacle of the old covenant, a new altar. By the way, the altar is massive. Do you know how big the altar in the old covenant was? Seven and a half feet square. <laughs> I don't know, I don't, I can't precisely measure it, but it's something like from the edge of the pulpit, what's this, one meter, two meters and, okay, from the edge of the pulpit to this end of this table, possibly, some of you are better at measurements than me, square. That's the size of the altar. We have a different altar, says the writer to the Hebrews. Not the altar that the priests eat from. Yes, the priests do eat from the altar on certain sacrifices. The sacrifices are many and varied. There are grain offerings, there are fellowship offerings, there are peace offerings, there are guilt offerings, there are sin offerings, but the greatest offering of all on the Day of Atonement is highlighted here. On the Day of Atonement, a sacrifice is brought and it is not put on the altar. It is sacrificed, literally butchered. That's what sacrifice means, butchering. Yes, the Levites butchered animals. <clears throat> By the way, there were the, there were the priests and there were the Levites. Only if you were a son of Aaron were you a priest. It was a very exclusive group of men. It was exclusive. No one but the Aaronic priesthood can actually serve at the altar, could, and only the high priest, one selected from among this elite group, could go into the Holy of Holies. But Jesus has opened it up to all of us, no longer exclusive, unless you're not belonging to him, then you can't eat of this altar. And there are people in a religious order even who cannot eat from this altar. This is an altar that is by the spirit, the grace, the love of Christ alone, through faith in him alone. No other way to it. In my um, present residence where I am staying in McKinney, I'm at an Airbnb at the moment. And... Uh, I've been able to talk to several other people that have passed through and the other night I came, you know sometimes you just don't feel like it. You don't feel like talking to people. Maybe you do. Well, you know, I'm a bit of an introvert so I don't always feel like talking to people. I know you extroverts, you love it. You love talking and talking and talking and talking. For me, I only talk about specific things and that's it, I'm done. <laughs> But anyway, I went and sat with them. And so, yes, being who I am, I got straight to the point. <laughs> what do you do? I said, well, good question. I'm a teacher. 
I was once a pastor here in Kampala. Oh, what does a pastor do? Does he preach? Mm, yeah, preaching is part of it, but there's a lot more to pastoring than just preaching. Anyway, they started to talk about their own experiences of the faith, the Christian faith. The, the Ugandan young man had been a choir boy at a church called St. Stephen's. He said the preachers would preach about morality, telling the young people sexual immorality is bad. And then they would find out that the same people who were preaching were having sex with the choir girls. He, he abandoned the faith because of that. It's all about the vessel. It's all about the person who carries Jesus. Is the person false? Is the person a false representation of who Jesus is? The other young lady who was from Britain, she pretended that she had nothing to do with Christianity. And as we began to talk more and more, she said, well, I was a member of the Church of Scotland. And I was confirmed in the Church of Scotland but my mother was a Catholic. So I went to the Catholic Church and I went through confirmation classes to confirm that my faith is in Jesus. That's what confirmation does in Anglicanism and Catholicism. People are christened at birth, but then they confirm their faith. So it's not exactly true that people just become Christians at birth. No, they are christened at birth and then they confirm their faith later on. So she went to confirm her faith, went through all the classes. And all the other young people on this special confirmation Sunday received a certificate of confirmation. <laughs> of course, we don't really need a certificate to confirm that we belong to Jesus. She did not receive one. Her mother went to the priest, why has my daughter not received a certificate? Because she was Christian, christened in the Church of Scotland. How ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's just rules, just laid down man-made laws that mean nothing to Jesus. They don't mean anything to him. Even today we sung about the love of Jesus. There is nothing like the love of Jesus to constrain us to serve him and live for him. The rod of the law has never moved my heart, never. It only conjures up fear in my mind. I'm afraid if I don't do this, if I don't do that, I'll be in trouble. It's Jesus' love that convicts me and draws me to himself. It's love and grace that brings us to him, not the rod of the law, not the rules of religion. It's his presence that changes us. And this is what this writer is telling us. Some people who use the rod of the law, who use the ordinances of religion, they are not eating of the true altar of Christ. They don't even know him. Even in the new covenant, they don't know him. They're just keeping laws, telling everybody else, if you do this, if you do that, if you do that, you'll be okay. We have an altar, verse 10, from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. Jesus, as I was saying, was cut off 
from the nation of Israel. He was excommunicated because he had been unclean, touched unclean things, and even on the cross, on an object of corporal punishment, an object of um, capital punishment, was unclean. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Totally unclean. He received the wrath of God. He received the wrath of God because of the sins of humanity. He was unclean. Cut off both from the nation and from the land of the living for our redemption. And God honored him. God lifted him up. God raised him from the dead. And he is now exalted, highly exalted, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven in the most holy place. Because his blood was taken by himself into the most holy place, not of earthly places, but of heavenly places where he presented his blood before the Father and his sacrifice was accepted. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, that's worth a clap, isn't it? Hallelujah. Amen. So we are called to identify with him, to experience similar shame and embarrassment possibly for belonging to Jesus. And it seems to be coming, it seems to be becoming, is that correct? <laughs> it seems to be becoming more common, which the, the world is changing and it's becoming more evident that those who stand for Jesus are going to experience awkwardness, shame, embarrassment. The Bible is being undermined left, right and center. The truths of the scriptures, which are the foundations of some of our nations, are being undermined left, right, and center. Moving into a different phase of history where we may experience great reproach for sticking to Jesus, but I encourage you that he is worth sticking to. Hallelujah. Not just by the law, but by our knowledge of him, by his love in us, by his constraining of our hearts, to know him and to pursue him. So the altar is used in various ways to describe this relationship we have with him. Here, the altar is being used to talk about the religious order not being the same as the altar of Christ. In other passages, we know that the altar of Christ is a place where we lay our bodies down Romans chapter 12, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your thinking, so that we can do what is good, pleasing, perfect, acceptable to him, God the Father. This is the pleasure of God. And this offering on the altar, our bodies, is alluded to here. Because it talks about things we would do because the love of God is in us. When we know the love of God, the love of God fills us, and we do things that express His love. It isn't just a, an intellectual assent. 
It's not just coming and raising our hands to worship him, which we love to do, of course. But there's a, there is a manifestation in real life, in real bodies of himself. Hallelujah. I spent nine years, nine years, not nine years, nine months, nine months in Sri Lanka, a country that is predominantly Buddhist. And the church there is seeking to express the love of God in real physical ways by feeding the hungry, by providing a helpline for those who are suicidal, by offering counseling, by showing the love of God. And this is what our passage is telling us. At the beginning of the passage it says, let brotherly love continue. Brotherly love, oh that's masculine, we better, better change that. <laughs> brotherly love meaning the love of the brethren, meaning love for brothers and sisters. Mm. Not sexual love, a love, it actually the word is Philadelphia. Philadelphia, you know Philadelphia, right? Where is Philadelphia? It's a place, isn't it? Philadelphia is a state. Philadelphia is cream cheese, I think. Isn't it? It's what? Okay. But the real Philadelphia, the real Philadelphia is a love we have within our hearts for our brothers and sisters. Not created of ourselves, it comes from knowing God. Apostle John in his first letter says, if you don't have the love of God and if you can't love your brothers and sisters, you don't belong to him. Not because he's judging you, he's not casting you out, he's saying the evidence, the fact that you love your brothers and sisters is proof that you belong to God. Let it continue, don't stop it. Show your love. Show his love to one another. You can't do this by TV, by remote, by uh, YouTube. <laughs> it happens by being together, by being at a life group, by being at church, by talking to someone after the service, even if you're an introvert like me. Yes, talk to somebody. <laughs> if you're an extrovert, invite somebody for lunch. Thank you for those who have invited me. It's been precious, really precious. <laughs> thank you so much. By the way, I praise the Lord. I thank God so much for his grace in my life. And I testify that I came to Uganda after not... <laughs> this is my first time to speak in three years. And the last time I spoke was from this piece of metal which some of you call a pulpit. <laughs> the last time I spoke was three years ago. Probably six months ago, I would have said, I will never preach again. I felt so bad about myself. But Jesus in his grace lifts us up. He changes our hearts, hallelujah. I'm not standing here because I'm confident in myself. I'm standing here because I'm confident in his grace. It's amazing, really. His grace is so amazing. And it stirs us to care for others. 
We are encouraged to practice hospitality. This isn't like the hospitality industry. It's not entertainment. This is inviting strangers into your home, people you don't even know. This alludes, we're in verse 2, by the way, this alludes to Abraham. Abraham, in chapter 18 of Genesis, do you remember the story? He's sitting by the trees of Mamre, just in the heat of the day, and suddenly he sees three men. And it says, the Lord came to visit him. The Lord with two angels. And this is where the Lord said, where is Sarah? Oh, she's in the tent. Sarah is going to be pregnant this time next year. I'll come and she'll be pregnant. And she laughed, of course. How can I enjoy my husband at this age of life? That's literally what she said. <laughs> and the Lord said, you laughed. It's going to happen. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with him. So, even you may be entertaining angels unawares. That's where this is reflecting back to. Abraham entertained angels unawares. The two angels who did not depart, they, the one, the Lord, departed in one direction. Two angels departed in another. The next time that they were seen was in Sodom, when they were going to get Lot out of the city before it was consumed by fire. And insulting angels, as the Sodomites did, was a very serious offense. So consider how you might express the love of God to strangers. Not necessarily because you think they might be angels, simply because you have the love of God within you and it stirs you to care for people you don't really know. Then it tells us to remember those who are in prison. This word, it says prison, but the Greek word is those in bonds, a bond, a bond like a shackle. Remember those who are in shackles, in chains, who are captivated, subjugated. Remember them. They are still around. Oh, you've probably heard about modern day slavery. Yes, it still exists. There are Ugandan women in the Middle East whose passports have been taken away from them. Are they not in slavery? Hmm. No, they went there for jobs. Yeah, but are they happy? Did you get a text message telling you they were happy? Or are they struggling? Do they want to come home? What about young women, like Filipino women, other women, young women under 18 years of age who are taken for the sex trade? That's a bond. Remember them, pray for them. And it says remember them as if you yourself could possibly become in their state, could possibly also become subjugated, might also get mistreated because it says you are in the body. You still have a body, by the way. You might say, hallelujah, hallelujah, I'm a believer in Christ. I have been seated in heavenly places. Nothing touches me in the earth. You want to bet? <laughs> Pastors have died of COVID. Is he not in the body? Hmm? 
I'm not, I mean, sorry for the loss, but we are in the body. We suffer circumstances, difficulties, financial hardship, joblessness, so many things that people go through as believers and we're trusting Jesus. And while we trust him, let's also help those who are less fortunate than ourselves. Let's care for those who are down and pull them up with us. In the body of Christ, there is an equity, meaning, and it's not only here. It's also in Corinthians as well about sharing one with another, collecting offerings, taking them to the Jerusalem church who's suffering persecution, taking them to places where there is a famine. And of course, churches do that, take food to Karamoja or wherever there's strife and trouble. So the body of Christ is called to be practical, to show love practically. And then, of course, we have the instruction to honor marriage. And we do. The, the Church of Christ generally does honor marriage and as an estate given by God. And it is. Let the marriage bed be undefiled, meaning not defiled by fornication or adultery. What's the difference between fornication and adultery? Biblically, adultery in the Old Testament is an offense against a neighbor who is married. Adultery is to have a relationship with someone who is already married. Even if you are married and you have a relationship with somebody else who is married, you have committed adultery. This is an offense in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. It's an offense against the community. As bad as committing murder, stealing, giving false testimony. They are all together as offenses before the eyes of God. We are called to keep our marriage pure. And fornicators is any other kind of sexual immorality. Any other kind of objectification of sex for selfish, lustful pleasure outside of marriage. That's what it is. We have all failed somewhere along the lines in these things, but maybe not all of us. Not me, Nigel. No, not me, Nigel. Maybe not. Maybe you failed in something else instead. <laughs> None of us are sinless. But we're called to honor marriage and to, if we are presently in fornication of any kind or adultery of any kind, then we are presently a fornicator or an adulterer, presently. But it can change. You can repent. You can seek the Lord to stop. Hallelujah. Jesus can help us. Jesus can revive us. Jesus can restore us. So it's a present circumstance. At the point at which we meet Jesus, that is when he will judge our lives. If we have repented, it is under the blood. If we have not repented, we will be judged severely. If we are in such a predicament, seek the Lord's mercy and forgiveness. Repentance doesn't only mean that. It doesn't just mean taking communion, asking, Lord, please forgive me, and then going back and doing it again. It means, Lord, I need your help to stop this. And if you are in such a circumstance, ask 
somebody to walk with you through it. Confess it to somebody you trust. The sad thing is, sometimes the church is so perfect, we're so afraid to confess anything to anybody, we all act as if we're perfect Christians, but we're not. None of us are. None of us are perfect. <laughs> Let's confess our sins to one another, that we may be forgiven, that we may experience His grace. I've been listening to um, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of, if, of Something, Seven Habits of Effective, very good book, and he's a believer. He said, in the part I listened to, I, I like audio books, he said, admission of ignorance is how we learn. If we don't admit we don't know something, we're not going to grow. We grow because we admit or ask a question that reveals, I don't really know. I ask a question and I'm asking someone they could humiliate me. Well, of course you should know the answer to that. But they may say, yes, let me share my knowledge with you. And they share what they know. And I grow because I've understood something new and fresh. Asking questions, seeking help is how we grow. We don't grow by keeping quiet, saying nothing, doing nothing. We also don't grow if we just come to church for our beliefs to be affirmed. If we only sit under the word for us to agree or disagree what the preacher has said, we have not grown. Yeah, I agree with that. No, I don't agree with that. Well, he said that, but mm, <laughs> that's not growing. Growing is, the Lord has said this to me today. I need to change. Lord, I'm here to be changed by you. Change me, Lord, by your grace. Truth is, I've never been able to change myself. He changes me. I seek his help and he changes me by faith. And we do it by faith. It talks about imitating the faith of your leaders. Vessels of God are very important. It's not Thank you, brother, for leading us in worship today. You are a vessel of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Yes. We must be vessels of the spirit of life. A vessel is everything. You can ask one person to do it, and they don't do it the way the spirit would have it done. Another person does it the way the spirit would have it done. It's the spirit of God who brings life to us so we imitate those who have faith in the living God and who walk in his ways. I'm going to leadership now. Oh, I've left out love of money. Should I go back there? Let me just finish leadership. Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. The word of God, not what he mentions later, diverse and strange teachings. There are many diverse and strange teachings in the earth, not least in Uganda. <laughs> many strange and diverse teachings. But we follow leaders who speak the word of God, 
not their own ideas, not their own prophecies, not their own manipulations for whatever purpose they may have. And we consider their way of life. The way of life is evidence that they are living according to what pleases God. And we imitate their faith. We don't imitate their way of life. It says imitate their faith. This, the, the, the mention of leaders is sandwiched between this favorite verse of ours, Jesus Christ, is the same to yesterday, today, and forever. This verse is in the context of leadership. Jesus is the same today as he was when he was walking the earth, and he will be the same for the ages to come. He reveals himself in the same way through the Word of God. The Word of God is not my words. It's not what I say. It's what the Bible says and how I teach what the Bible says. If I invent my own ideas, I am not speaking the Word of God. So when we say, no, the man of God is coming. The man of God is here. The man of God is speaking the Word of God. The man of God is only speaking the word of God if he speaks from the scriptures. Mm. It's not about me and my power and authority with words. It's about what his scriptures say and me teaching them accurately and purposefully and properly and in the power of his spirit. Such that we would not be led away. It's possible to be led away and eat of an altar that isn't Jesus' altar. Instead, we should be strengthened by grace, our hearts, not by regulations about food or any other religious order, ceremonial instructions. Yes, let's go. How much time have we got left? I'm going to finish soon. <laughs> Hallelujah. The love of money. Let's go back to that. This is a challenge, isn't it? Be content with things present. This is the Young's literal translation, which I love, Old English, but it says, be content with the things present. Be content with the things present. I've just had to give loads of things away. <laughs> like I realize how much my identity is attached to the things I possess, like books, theological books, I've given them away. I once preached from these books, but the books are not me and I am not the books. <laughs> so our identity is in Jesus, not in what we possess. And if we pursue possessions and we love the pursuit of possessions and we want the possessions other people have, either by getting them from somewhere else or from stealing them, whichever it might be, covetousness is an offense to God because it demonstrates the heart is pursuing possessions more than being possessed by God. Enviously seeking something that belongs to somebody else or wanting something similar than what somebody else has. Keeping up with the Joneses as the British sometimes say. Keeping up with the I don't know who. Seventies, <laughs> keeping up with somebody 
trying to get what they've got. I also need a TV. I also need a car. I also need... If you need it, the Lord will give it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. I'm reading from the ESV today, by the way. It takes a person to a place of destruction. It destroys a life. It corrupts the character of the person. They no longer have integrity in all they do. They deceive, they lie, they cheat to get what they want. Even those who claim they have integrity. You can see it by the fact that their life ends in ruin. The most obvious profession I have seen lives end in ruin in is politics. Not because politics is evil, but it corrupts character. If you aspire to serve the nation or to serve a community in its policies, be careful you are not corrupted by the love of money or by others who love money and corrupt you in it. It causes great harm to our lives. It destroys. Let us be pure in our use of money. Let us use it to bless others. Let us share what we have. Let us give to the poor. I'm not doing very well with this water today. Let us give to the poor. Let us care for the sick. Let us consider those in prison. Let us practice hospitality. And towards the end of our passage today, it says... Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such, such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It's not only about tithes, not only about offerings. It's about not neglecting the needs of others. We bring God's tithe and we bring our own offerings. The tithe is God's, by the way, and the offerings are from us. We bring our tithes and we bring our offerings and we worship God with them because we thank him that what we have is plentiful and even if it isn't, we are still experience his sustaining power and we're bringing something back to him in worship. Not a pittance, not a tip, not a thanks Lord, here's my peace, thank you. It's worship, Jesus I worship you, here is my offering, here is my tithe. But on top of that, we do good to others. We don't neglect doing good. Not because we are doing good works to get marks, gold stars, ticks in heaven. We're not Jehovah's Witnesses 
who get ticks and statistics for attending houses and converting people to their sect. The good works we do come out of the love of God. We don't seek glory for them. We don't seek credit for them. They don't put righteousness upon us, but they reveal the love of God in us. And they come naturally to us. If you are serving God in any kind of good work, no need to be embarrassed. It's an expression of the love of God. If you're working for a Christian NGO, God bless you. Continue to do your good work to the glory of God. Even if it seems mundane, I want to encourage you, you are expressing the love of God in the goodness you do. And I know you're not taking credit for it. I know it's to the glory of God. And then there is our offerings of worship, sacrifices of praise to the Lord. We sacrifice to him our worship. Today, again, I was moved by the love of God as I worshipped him. I don't worship Jesus to have an emotional experience or to have a high or to say, oh, the worship was good today because the worship is for him, it's not for me. However, when I worship him in spirit and in truth, he touches my heart. He touches your heart. It is precious when we worship Jesus. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name because he is good. He is full of love. He is merciful. He is kind. He is gracious. He is compassionate. He is good towards all he has made. This is our Lord. There is no other God like him. None. So today, Lord, we thank you that you are our helper. What can man do to us? We belong to you. You are our deliverer. You are our strength. You are our peace. You are our provision. You have promised and we take hold of this promise that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Pour out your grace upon us, Lord, that our hearts may be enriched that we may be revived and strengthened in our service to you and to others, that people may see your goodness through our lives and that we would express your true love and people may see and identify you in us. Be glorified in your people as we go from this place, Lord. May our lives testify that you are alive, that you are living because of the love that oozes from us. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you, Jesus, for you are living. You are the same today as you were yesterday, and you will be forever, ongoing, age through age through age, difficulty through difficulty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Fill our hearts. Fill our hearts with your love, with your grace today. Through Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to God's Word today. Feel free to contact the pastor on phone at 0705-581-369 or send an email to pastor at onelifechurch.ug or follow us on Facebook at One Life Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel at One Life Church, Kampala, Uganda.